Well, good morning. Happy New Year. May the Lord bless you. And it's good to see you all today. And those of you who are guests with us, we're honored to have you. I'm Pastor Mike, and we please let us know if there's anything we can do. If you're with your families, we pray that it will be a wonderful time and experience for you and all the days that you've had with them at Christmas. Uh, Titus chapter 2 is where I'd like for you to find your place in God's Word today. I'd encourage you to find your place there. Keep your Bible open. I'm going to ask you this morning to look at several places in God's Word as we complete our time in what we've talked about for some time. That is this theme of hoping in God. Well, Brother Tim did a great job of reminding you of our Bible reading plan we read as a church. I know that many of you are very faithful in your own methods and processes of reading God's Word, but I would encourage you to read along with your with your brothers and sisters in the church. And these, uh, uh, this uh, Bible reading plan is on the website, but it's also all available all around the building. Pick up a copy of it. This is our choice for this year. I think you'll find it a real blessing and a challenge. It's always good to change up your regular intake of reading the Bible. And perhaps this will be a good challenge for you. So I have spent the last 13 weeks talking to you about giving an account, giving my testimony about the hope that is in me. We have talked about what hopefulness means from the Bible's point of view versus the idea you know, hope has been robbed of its meaning by the world and by those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ. But hopefulness in God is confident expectation and assurance that what God says He'll do he will complete. That is hopefulness. Hopefulness is that expectant confidence in God. I hope that is true for you today. I hope that's true in your life today. I hope that you are a follower of Jesus. That's why, as I was saying, I give my testimony. Peter said, be ready as a believer to give an account to anyone who will ask you about the hope that is in you. That means, that means, my Christian friends, that when people see you at work, they see you in your family, they see you in your day-to-day -day activities, they see something different about you. They see a hopefulness in you in spite of the tragedy and the horrors of the world. They see you as a hopeful person. They hear it in your voice. They see it in your face. They understand that that's who you are and they're interested in that hopefulness and that's your opportunity as you let your light shine, to tell them about Jesus Christ. So today we conclude in Titus chapter 2. Titus is a young preacher. Paul was giving him instructions as to what he was to preach uh, to the churches that he would be establishing and, and uh, developing. He mentions to him in chapter 2 the importance of the responsibilities of the older and the younger in the church. That's a very important topic. Uh, for us some time to talk about. But today, we come down and we pick up Paul as he finishes this section in verse number 11. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us 
to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for Himself a people for His own possessions, zealous for good deeds. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You'll have to excuse me. <coughs> I'm not uh, virus or anything like that. I have allergies, so if you need to clear your throat for me, I'd appreciate it, but I'll do the best I can, and I hope it won't be a distraction. So my testimony today for you is this. I'm sad to leave this topic. There are many other things that I could say to you about this. I've I'm speaking to you as your pastor because I'm concerned, I'm burdened that in our church we see signs of those who ought to be living in the hopefulness they have in God, but seemingly for some reason they, have, uh, they, they don't have hope, they have hopelessness in their life, or at least they would have despair and discouragement. Even in our times of discouragement and despair, we must ask ourselves as we started this in the Psalms, why are you discouraged, O my soul? We have to have a talk with ourselves. Maybe as you start this new year, you need to have a talk with yourself about your spiritual condition. Perhaps this year you need to make some changes uh, in your life so that you might seek to live and honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And you haven't. As a follower of Jesus, you've allowed the world and you've allowed circumstances, troubles and trials to just wear you out and tie you up in knots. Perhaps this is the year that you'll come to your senses and begin to follow the Lord Jesus again. I hope in God today, because Jesus Christ is coming again. I hope in God today, because Jesus Christ is coming again. I will live the rest of my days waiting, waiting confidently, excitedly, with preparedness, with alertness, because Jesus is coming again. I may be the only one, I may be the only one who stands to say it. I may be one of the last ones who even emphasizes it. But I stand to tell you today that my hope is not only built in the Lord Jesus Christ first coming so that I might be saved, but I live in a world that is diminishing and dissolving into chaos and destruction as it is planned. And Jesus is coming again. So with that said, I want to talk about that today. Paul makes some, some statements, however, before I can get to that. And so I have three observations for you today. I'll spend just a few moments on the first two and make some comments to you. And then I want to get right to verse number 13. So number one, salvation comes by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So I remind all of you today that you're not saved because you're a good person. You're not saved because you have a great background and family heritage. You're not saved because you go to a certain church. You're not saved because you have Bible knowledge. You are saved by the grace of God and His mercy shown to you in forgiving your sin and Jesus dying for you. By grace you are saved. By grace you are saved. As you start January, January the 2nd, you ought to look in the mirror and say to yourself, for by grace you have been saved. That is, if you're born again here today. You see, if you're born again and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved by the grace of God. Verse number 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. 
on our Christmas time service, I talked to you. Why did the Lord Jesus come, boys and girls? Why was he born into this world as a baby? Why did he grow up through all the stages of life? So that he might identify with us and die for our sins, fully human, yet fully God, so that we might be saved. Those who will believe on him from all the nations, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And the grace of God, the grace of God has appeared. In fact, we see in verse 11, his first appearance. The Lord Jesus came and he has appeared as we just celebrated at Christmas time. And then we see in verse 13, we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. It seemed that at the death of Jesus Christ, all was lost. And then three days later, He rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, but He appeared. He appeared. Salvation comes by grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what John meant when he said in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Then he says, And the Word became flesh. That is, Jesus Christ became flesh. And He dwelt among us, us humans. He became human like us. And we saw His glory. These are eyewitnesses. This is John and the others. Hundreds of them. We saw His glory. Thousands upon thousands saw the Lord Jesus as He walked upon the earth, heard His words, saw His miracles. Not all of them believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But John says, we saw His glory. We saw His glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Listen, full of grace and full of truth. You want to know how it is that you live every day? It's by the same grace that saved you. You are alive today on January the 2nd because in the graciousness of God, He has given you another day to live. Now, what will you do with this day that He has given you? For the grace of God has appeared and brought salvation to all men. The purpose of God coming in the Lord Jesus Christ that first time was to provide salvation for all who will believe. So the grace of God has appeared. Now we live in these days of grace, my friend. We live between a time of the giving of the law and the coming of the Lord Jesus. We now live in this grace time. But yet this grace time will someday end and there will be another time of judgment at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. These grace days. Days of grace. Times of grace. All attached to us who are saved. And the grace of God is extended and His mercy and patience goes forward with the lost all around. The people in your family who do not know Jesus. They may be religious, but they're not really saved. They don't know God, but the grace of God is being extended. We now preach the Word of God through Jesus Christ. We share with our neighbors and our friends about Jesus because in Jesus there is grace. In Jesus, there is mercy. In Jesus, there is forgiveness. In Jesus, there is patience with sinners who will not turn from their ways. Today, we live in the times and the season of God's grace. Hallelujah. Praise God for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all people. Whoever wants to be saved can be saved. It is the day of grace. Whatever background, whatever, wherever you are on the planet, that's why we go. 
with our missionaries. That's why we send through technology wherever we can send it. The blessed message of the gospel. For we live in the days of grace. Don't forget the days in which you live. They are the days of grace because of the cross and the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ and His glorious resurrection and His ascension to heaven. And He is alive today. Our hope in God is in the Lord Jesus Christ, living, exalted, seated in heaven as our great high priest, but coming again. Secondly, those who are saved by the grace of God are taught by the grace of God. Notice verse 12, instructing us. Now, who is instructing us? Well, we have to read verse 11. For by, by the grace of God, for, by, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, instructing us, the believer. We're being instructed. We're being instructed to do two things. To deny certain things and to live in a certain way. This is what the Holy Spirit of God is seeking to do inside of you if you're a believer here today. The Holy Spirit of God, when you became a believer, when you became a believer in Jesus Christ, I've said this to you since I've been your pastor for years. It is the marvel of the new birth. I've witnessed it all of my own life in the, in the lives of people who've been saved. It's amazing what happens. Regardless of their education background, regardless of their background and experience and knowledge of God's Word, when someone comes to know Jesus Christ, it's as if someone, before the church teachers and disciples can help them along, as we must, and that's our duty, when they come to know Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, it's as if someone started instructing them and they don't even know God's word. But you know what? They start denying things. They start living in different ways. I'm describing what it means to be born again here. When you come to know Jesus Christ, somebody doesn't have to tell you, well, you shouldn't be a drunkard anymore. Somebody doesn't have to tell you you, don't have, you shouldn't be living in sexual perversion anymore, in adultery. You shouldn't be a coveter. You ought not to be a thief. You ought not to be arrogant and proud and abusive toward people. You see, someone doesn't have to stand and teach you that, oh, we want to learn that and the Word of God informs us and we learn it. But when I come to know Jesus Christ, the grace of God, the grace of God says you ought to deny those things. Because of the grace of God and His mercy and His forgiveness to me, I deny certain things. You see, the world doesn't like denial. The world doesn't like to talk about denial. You might be here and you don't like to be denied anything. But I tell you today, denial is one of the most significant spiritual acts in your life. The Lord Jesus Christ said, If any person will follow me, he, she must deny themselves. That's right. You go to the back of the line. Your desires don't matter anymore. You're not first. You're not the most important one. You're not the one who sets the priority. You have now said, I am a follower of Jesus. And the first thing that the grace of God instructs us to do is to deny two things. To deny ungodliness and to deny worldly desires. So in the weeks ahead, I'll be talking to you about a very important subject related to this topic. I'm going to be talking to you about what I call dead to the world. 
I'm going to be talking about the importance of the Christian understanding our place, our responsibility, and our duty while we live in this present world. Dead to the world. Well, when I come to know Jesus Christ, the grace of God tells me, you have to step away from this ungodly way you've been living. You're going to stop living in those kinds of ways you used to live. No longer do you feel comfortable living in that dark, shadowy world where you secretly take your sinful, secret, favorite sins and you live them out. No, now, every time you do something like that, there is a conviction in your heart and you say, I can't keep living like this. I must stop doing this. You deny your old way of living. The grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ and His example, as we grow as Christians, we are taught by the Holy Spirit and His Word that we are to deny ungodliness. That's a characteristic of every saved person that I'm speaking to this morning. The grace of God teaches and trains us. The word teach here or instruct is a word that means to train. To train us. We're trained to do. You train children. You teach them the routines. You help them learn from the youngest of age. You train them. The grace of God is training us. The grace of God trains us to deny ungodliness and to deny worldliness. And I'm not going to say much about that because we'll speak about it at length in the days ahead. But you deny worldliness. You deny the old worldly system that's invented and created by the God of this world, Satan. And you deny the, the demands for conformity to that system. And you reject it. And you reject all about it. In fact, it is, as we'll talk about next week, you're dead to it. You don't live as if it's even significant to you anymore. We have much to learn about that. The grace of God trains us as we walk with God, as we grow in our spiritual life, to deny ungodliness. If some of you today are saying that you're a follower of Jesus and you're still trapped in the sins that you were captivated by in the earliest days of your Christian life, what's happened to you? That's not the intended purpose and plan of God and the grace of God in your life. It is for you to be an overcomer. It is for you to say no to sin. It's for you to be victorious over it and to say no against it and to walk away from it. Denial, denial, denial of ungodliness and worldliness, but also to live a certain way. We're instructed by the grace of God to live sensibly. This isn't your common sense I'm talking about. You see, the world has their common sense from birth. I'm not talking about natural, born sinner common sense. I'm talking about senses that come to life when you come to know Jesus Christ. Your senses are enlightened. You feel things and you have sensibilities, not sensitivity, sensibility like you've never had before. It's like that boy when the Lord Jesus talked about him standing in the pigsty who rejected everything of his father. He's out there feeding pigs and he came to his senses. That's it. When you come to know Jesus Christ, it is all of a sudden the grace of God enlightens your senses and you live sensibly. You live sensibly in this present age. You pay attention to things. You're not caught and taken away by the foolishness 
of words and the ways of people in the world. You live sensibly, you live righteously, verse number 12, and you live godly. You live godly. You live like Jesus Christ on our sign going out the exits. Be Jesus to someone today. What's the point? The point is live as a godly one in the godless world in which we live. So salvation comes by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus first appearing as we've just celebrated at this glorious time of the, the incarnation of the Lord, His birth on this earth and His life. We celebrate the grace of God has appeared. Praise God in these days of grace, people can still be saved. Oh, the door of salvation is open to any who would believe. Regardless of what they've done, they can be saved. But the same salvation that has appeared, bringing the same grace that's appeared bringing salvation is also the salvation of grace of God that teaches us. But also, there's something about grace-filled people, grace-saved people. They're looking for something. They're looking for something that's going to happen. They're looking for the blessed hope. The blessed hope. The blessed hope. I hope in God today because Jesus Christ is coming again. It is as sure as I am standing here physically in front of you speaking to you. Looking for the blessed hope and the, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So I want to give the remainder of my time, to talk about this in three very important ways. This is where I'll ask you to also participate with me and look at some verses together. We look, this word that we look at here in our Bibles, we read this word looking, it is a word that simply means we expectantly wait. We expectantly wait. Now, how can I illustrate this for you? Well, all through the Christmas season, all through this New Year's, some of it may be happening even today with your family and friends. Listen to me. When you love someone who's gone away and they're about to return, you get ready for them to return. When you love someone and they've gone away, you know they're about to come back. Everything's set. The schedules are set. The promises have been made. You know that loved one is about to return. What do you do? You get ready. You prepare for them to come back and see you. Well, that's what we must learn today, church, about looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we find ourselves in one of three situations as human beings today when I talk about this subject. Number one, if someone is here and you're not born again, you really don't care, have any interest in what I'm about to say about Jesus Christ because you think it's all a lie, a myth, a falsehood, and that we're just weak people who have to have some emotional crutch to lean on. You see, you're dead in your sin. You're dead to the truth of God's Word. It doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter who says it to you, who talks to you about it, 
If you're here today and you're lost, you're lost in your sin, you're living in darkness, and you don't care about the things of God. But there's a second group who are born again, but they've gone to sleep. When I come to talk about this this comment, when I say to you that I have hope in God because Jesus Christ is coming again, you nod. You affirm that's true in the Bible, but you've got a lot of other things you're worried about today. You're wound up in the world and all kinds of troubles and cares and worries stir you and tie you in knots. And the coming of the Lord Jesus seems to be somewhat of an interruption in your schedule and plan for your life. Or otherwise, you haven't even thought about the coming of Jesus Christ in a long time. You've gone to sleep. The grace of God has been wonderful to you. You've experienced the glorious grace of God. But you have have gone back into sin and carnality and you've been rocked to sleep. You're rocked to sleep. And the, the talking of the preacher and the reading of the Word of God about Jesus coming again, well, you're just not awake to even hear it. But then there is the other group who are looking who are preparing, who are watching, who are waiting expectantly knowing that based on the promises of Jesus Christ, He is about to return. Let's get to it. I want you to see several places that the Lord Himself said about His own return. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is the first place I want you to go with me. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do have your copy of God's Word. The Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 12 is talking about a number of things. He talks about the importance of how God cares for us. He knows our needs. He speaks about the danger of being covetous and building your life on covetousness. But listen, what am I saying today? I'm saying that the the grace of God teaches us to look expectantly for the return of Jesus Christ. And the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is something we anticipate. We anticipate it. So in Luke chapter 12, verse number 35, I remind you, I'm reading the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. I'm reading in verse number 36. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, we've seen that phrase before, truly I say to you, that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. 38. Whether he comes in the second shift or in the third shift, he finds them so. Blessed are those slaves. Verse 39, be be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Verse 40, you should underline it, you should mark it, you should pay attention to it. This is the anticipation. This is the blessed hope. You too, you too, disciples, you too, be ready 
For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. It's a call for preparedness. Did you notice the Lord's words? Verse 35, be dressed in readiness. When you know your loved ones are coming and they're on their way and they're just about here, you're not walking around in your night clothes. You're dressed. You're ready to meet them. You're prepared for their coming. You get up and you get dressed. You get out of the bed. You get everything set. The house is prepared and you're ready for them to come. Be dressed. In readiness, I ask you today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are you dressed and ready for the return of the Lord Jesus? Are these just words now that you've heard most of your life, but they do not shake you? They do not awaken you? Then you must be asleep or still lost in your sin. You see, those who've been saved by the grace of God are looking for the blessed coming and the appearance for the second time of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as sure as He has promised He will come, that's what you hang your hope on. We worry about the timetables. We worry about the arrangements. We engineer God's Word. We try to put it in our order. Did you hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps on. If you know your love, they might be late. They might come early. But you're dressed. You're waiting for them. And the lights are on. Is that true for you in your life today? Are you looking for the blessed coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I take you somewhere else now. So that you might understand not only the preparedness that we have in looking for the Lord's return, but in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is this unbelievable chapter where the Lord begins and shows us all of history as it comes along. Between now the day of grace and the coming of the Lord Jesus. Turn to Matthew 24. I read to you just a few verses and I want you to mark them and follow along. The Lord comes to finally talk about the, His glorious return. And in Matthew 24, we read in verse number 33, these very important words. So too, now let me go to verse 32. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. Learn the parable. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know, please notice the language, the summer is near. Oh, the trees are starting to get tender. The leaves are coming. Oh, summer's near. It's not here yet, but it's near. So you too, disciples, when you see all these things, recognize that He is near right at the door. He is near right at the door. Verse 37 for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, and they were drinking, and they were merry, and they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. There is preparedness, but there is nearness. All that has come before us, all that's come before us in this age that we live in, all of the signs, all the things that are described by our blessed Lord, 
about his return. Oh, the tender, the tenderness of the tree and the leaves starting to sp- We are, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. I read to you Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things written in it. The time is near. The time is near. What will I say to you this year? What is it that the Lord has impressed upon your pastor in my own personal life? It is for me to live with preparedness. It is for me to live recognizing the nearness of the Lord's return. The Lord is near. I say to you today, in your slumber, in your carelessness, in your un. uh, unconcern about this the Lord is near and the Lord's coming is the priority of God not your human comfort and your schedule and your priorities the Lord is near for the grace of God instructs us to deny all ungodliness and worldly lusts or desires and to live sensibly, righteously, godly in the present age while we're looking. He's coming. We're dressed. The lights are on. We're prepared. There is preparedness as we recognize the nearness of His return. But there's one other thing. The blessed hope of the Lord Jesus Christ is the exalting of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's the quickness of it. Just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. We get all balled up in our analysis of the coming of the Lord and forget the certainty of the coming of the Lord. Today, what kind of... If you really live with an awareness that Jesus Christ has promised and assured us He's coming, we'll prepare properly. We'll be ready. We'll be ready all the time. We'll be ready. We won't be like those foolish virgins who didn't have enough oil to go out and meet the bridegroom when the shout came. We'll be ready. We'll be ready day and night. We'll be ready in the morning. Be ready at noon. Be ready at night. We'll be ready in sickness, ready in health. We're ready. We're ready to go. We're prepared. We're prepared because He is near, but He will quickly return. For this, I want you to turn with me to the last chapter in the Word of God. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. And I want you to see for just a moment how the Lord Jesus ends the final book of all the books in the Word of God. You see, the blessed hope of the Lord Jesus Christ's return is in the exaltation of His coming. Now, as you're turning to Revelation 22, let me read to you Revelation 19, verse number 11, and the few verses that follow it because this is the glory this is the glory of the Lord Jesus return as Paul is talking about the blessed hope and appearing of our glorious and great God the Lord Jesus Christ revelation 19:11 and I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows 
except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh... He has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ as it is described in His coming. But how does the Lord end? What are His final words to the church and to all who will hear it? It is the quickness of His return. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse number 12, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then the final words of this blessed book, the last words of the Lord Jesus, until the trumpet sounds. For he who testifies to these things, verse 20 says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Do you live understanding that the Lord is not slow? He's not slow about his return. He's merciful, wishing that no one would perish, but we're looking for the one who will return quickly. We can go back in time and analyze it and ask ourselves, why wasn't it in the past generation? Why wasn't it, why wasn't it in a, an earlier time in history? Well, that's not for us to answer. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is now the assured promise for us in this generation while you are alive. While you are alive, the Lord says His last words to you are, I am coming quickly. Here's the question. Are you ready for Him to come today? Are you prepared for Him to come today? Well, there's a number of things for us to remember today. Quickly, I just say these to you. God's grace comes through Jesus Christ and those who are saved by God's grace learn from God's grace, and the blessed hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we do? We prepare for it. We live in hopeful preparation because the Lord is near, and when He comes, it will be quick. It will be sudden. It will not be delayed. It will finally come, and as the Lord says in Matthew 24, the sign of the Son of Man will be in the heavens and the nations will mourn, but God's people will be glad. So how do I end today? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to bypass the, the words I put on the screen for daily use and I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to turn finally for what we need to apply to, math, uh, to Mark number 13. Go to Mark number 13 and we'll allow the Lord to apply this for us today. I want you to all turn there so that you have heard this clearly because the believer who has been taught by the grace of God denies godlessness and worldly desires 
the, the, the believer who's been taught by the grace of God is one who lives sensibly and righteously and godly in this present age while we look, while we wait expectantly because Jesus is near and about to return. Mark chapter 13, what does the Lord say to us? These are words for you now. These are words for you. We will allow the Lord Jesus to say this to you. Notice what he says, verse 33. Take heed, keep on the alert. For you do not know when the appointed time will come. You don't know the time, you don't know the day, you don't know the hour. So what do you do, disciple of Jesus Christ? What do you do? You stay alert. You don't go to sleep. You pay attention. You stand your ground and follow Jesus. You put on the armor of God. You share the gospel as best you can with fervency every day of your life. You keep alert. Verse number 34, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it's in the evening or at midnight or in the, when the rooster crows or in the morning in case he should come suddenly, quickly, and find you asleep. Wake up, O church. Wake up, O church, out of the slumber, out of listening to the song of the world, and being tied up in your own desires and the flesh. And again, going back to carnality, verse number 37, what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul was saying when he wrote these words to Titus, uh, challenging him to preach these words as I have sought to preach them today, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be alert. The Lord is near. May He find His church not asleep in the light. May he find his church at work, waiting, prepared for his return. Come, Lord Jesus.